Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can I suggest you shut up and show more football? Come on, come on. Pick it, pick it. We've done that thing. Can we not knock it? I am flabbergasted. I wouldn't even let them on the bus after the match. I get a taxi back to Manchester. <laughs> Again, don't, please don't call me arrogant because what I, I'm saying is true. I'm a, I think I'm a special one. When the seagulls follow the troll, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. Thank you. I understand what I'm trying to get at. Yes, he was a great player. Yes, he was a wonderful leader. But he wasn't a magician. Once again, thank you for joining us. Yes. My name is Richard Keyes. That's a, do you never tell anybody your middle name? I, do you know when I was at school? Uh-huh. <laughs> I went to, um, on, on, on the face of it, yeah. a, a, a very lovely School. We had a lake in the middle of posh the school? teaching, but no, it wasn't. Private school? Comprehensive school. Oh, comprehensive. Well, just in um, case anyone thinks you're posh. No, yeah. not at all. Yeah. See, I came from an upmarket council house. Yeah. My mother was very proud yeah. of our home. Mm-hmm. Most of the people that attended school with me came from the other side of town, which uh, I'm trying to phrase this well, very carefully. How did carefully. you get there? Wasn't necessarily... Poor? No, the... the Needy? It, it wasn't... I was South Coventry, which yeah, was, yeah. was was a. I'm in a council house in South right, Coventry, right. but I am regarded as posh. Right. My mates came from the other side of town, which was posh. Wasn't posh. So I'm now it's less posh than you. Yes. Ah. Seriously, less posh than me. So, so I'm now. Either. Yeah, I'm now at a school that I probably shouldn't have been at. Right. I did pass to go to the local grammar school. Of course you did. But my, my father <laughs> felt that they didn't play football there. And, ah, and that good decision. We did at Whitley Abbey Comprehensive School. So, And I enjoyed the football, but I, for five years, my life was hell. Absolute hell. I right. cannot tell you how badly I was bullied. Good. Excellent. That was good to know. <laughs> There'll be a lot of Newcastle fans <laughs> delighted at that news. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. I didn't just... I wasn't just bullied... At school, yeah. a lot of their mates went to the school that was at the bottom of my drive, oh, Moat Avenue, for those of you who live in Coventry, and uh, Ullathorne. Um, and so, so my journey to and from school was also hellish. Mm-hmm. I had to find a different way to go home every day <laughs> so that I didn't run into their mates. Um, Nigel Mason was uh, Keith Sanderson. These were the boys. And I ended up playing football with Nigel. And he turned out, of course he did turn out to be a great lad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took them five years to work me out. Oh. And in fairness, I was... 
I would say different. Right. I, I was different. Yeah. So it, it, was, um, it was a tough time. Through, through the sixth form, right. lower and upper, lovely, ab- abs- brilliant, because most of the Scallies had left by then. <laughs> so the only people that were left were interested in, in, well, in, in, in pursuing um, an education. Uh, I, I, at this point, went the other way and relaxed perhaps a little bit too much, yeah. uh, bought a car and started to find what what life was really about so i i at this point like anyway the question yes drink and the question like was i didn't dare tell anybody yeah. that, that my name was james oh yeah why well i, I felt it was in those days james was a it's my my, my mother's father's name jimmy yeah. but in those days it it would it wouldn't have gone down well my, it, my it, brother's called james i know but but it, it listen trust me Andy, i had enough james. i had enough problems to come to terms with and enough burdens to carry so that i wasn't going to tell people my name was a posh you could have been called jimmy lad i could have been called jimmy lad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all young james's should, should be, be called yeah. hey, jimmy lad yeah anyway uh, it's very nice to have your company um this is, is why you called your mate son jimmy lad here in Qatar. No, Jimmy, Jimmy lad, because I, I spent four years in Liverpool. All right, ah, Sean. Right, all, right, all right, Jimmy lads. But that, our mate, son that was born, you always called him Jimmy lad. And Blair. They weren't very happy. No, they you? weren't, because she wanted him to be called James. James. But he will end up being called Jim Jimmy and Jimmy, lad. inevitably. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 yeah. Uh, and, and she didn't like it, Claire, no, when no, I told no, her my no. name was James. Yeah. Because all she can do now is look at him for the rest of her life. <laughs> think about me. And that's the problem with children's names, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You have to be so careful. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, what started. am I... We have started. Yeah, right. This is Keys and Grey, the podcast. Nigel is, is out and about in, in Qatar today. He may join us between now and the time that we who end knows? up recording, but who knows? Who knows? Um, uh, in the meantime, then it's just us. You can follow us on Insta and Twitter at Keys and Grey Pod, A-N-D pod. Uh, as ever, I haven't planned anything. I, I just want to, to sort of meander. What I don't want to do is talk COVID because yeah. we're recording Friday morning by Saturday. I, I think the... Um, A lot could have changed. Th- there's many things that could have changed. But what, it, what I, I did spot this week was NFL protocol, Andy, which NFL, I... NFL, okay. National Football League in America. Yeah. Um, and I, I think perhaps they've got it right. Um, what they've done is they've, they sent a memo at the beginning of the season to all members to say uh, if a game is cancelled postponed uh, because a club cannot play due to a covid spike among or resulting from its non-vaccinated players Mm -hmm. staff Mm -hmm. then the burden of the cancellation or delay will fall on the club experiencing the covid infection yes Yes. so in other words agreed um, the club will forfeit the contest and will be responsible for the lost payment okay what's wrong with that none i i i've said all along that um i think that when i read yesterday the efl more than 25% of the players had refused any vaccination. I was, I was shocked, I have to be honest with you, and that only 50%, just above 50% had received one dose of the vaccination. And, and this is not just me. I, I'm, I go along with, I'm with Klopp on this, Jurgen Klopp. I think it is the footballer's responsibility to get vaccinated when he's working in the domain he's working in. And I don't see any, and I'm not saying me because I know everything. No, I'm talking like he did about the experts who tell us Day after day, time after time, vaccination is the best way of combating and coping and making it less serious than it is by vaccination. And I don't understand why people won't. And honestly, Richard, players that are non-vaccinated and want to work, I tell you what, I wouldn't let them play. Well, I... I I know it's a hard one. I wouldn't let them play. um, Then then there's a burden on them. Now, unless... (laughs) There's a religious or a, or a, a, a medical reason 
why vaccinations would be too risky for you, mm. then that's fine. We get that. But I, I, do, I do believe, listen, I'm fully vaccinated and I went recently for my booster, which knocked me out for 48 hours. Um, it, people have reacted differently to, to mm -hmm. injection. I did mm -hmm. say I didn't want to talk about COVID. Here we are. Um, but, but anyway, j just to exhaust this, um, I, I do think it is important that an individual still has the right to yes. make a choice. But isn't it also important for a group to say, well, that's fine. We accept I that, am conflicted by that. Play you. Yes. I mean, what is it? Is it Stephen Gerrard who recently said, I wouldn't sign a player who's not... Well, Gerard Eddie Howe at Newcastle has said the same thing. I mean, this is Andy Dunn this morning yeah. in the Mirror, um, talking, uh, uh, well, quoting Brendan Rodgers this week. Brendan said, we've picked up more injuries, which are maybe not strictly from COVID, but are COVID-related as players who have been unavailable to play are having to play and pick up injuries because we can't rotate the squad. Oh, right. Now, that, 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 that is stretching a point in my view. Well, that suggests to me that people have been playing with COVID. <laughs> well, no, what he's saying is he's overplaying others that, ah. that are entering the red zone because he can't rotate. Now, that, for me, isn't a reason to call a game off. I think, I, I say again, I think that really is being a little generous. And by the way, what's to stop clubs? Are we saying everyone's above board and, and like, so what's to stop clubs who are maybe struggling? Nothing. What's to stop clubs who are maybe going through a bad run of Nothing. form right now? I'm just trumping up figures and saying, by the way, we've got about 10 COVID cases here. No, nothing. But but uh, that, that's why I think it is probably better to say, okay, for 10 days, Thomas Frank was right, 10 days, let's have a certain right. break. I've been thinking about and that. And then we'll come back. I've been thinking about that since you said that last night. My problem with 10, and I, I, I agreed with you last night, but I, I got up this morning and I was thinking about it because obviously it's all over the place. And I thought, one of the problems I have with that is, yes, I agree with you, but who's to say that 10 days is going to sort it for somebody? And who's to say that in 10 days' time, everyone will be okay no, and no, start again? No, nobody. I don't, and I, I don't, I'm, not suggesting that, I'm not suggesting for a minute that's the cure. What I'm saying is it might be better for everybody to step away in an organised manner and say, we'll take 10 days and reassess and have a look. Because it's not just about footballers. As Matt Critchley said on Being Sports last night, you know, Liverpool played against Atletico Madrid in a Champions League tie. And as a result, football fans lost their lives. Mm -hmm. Now, that's something that we haven't considered, the people that go to the games. Mm. We don't want to play in empty stadiums again. I just think we need to be a bit careful and maybe just, just for 10 days yeah. say, right, let's have a look at it. Yeah. Change the subject. Stan Collymore. Can't believe this. I never read a word he says Why not? because I'm not interested in not anything he not says. But I looked at the headline this week in his column. Arteta should have worked out that if you keep a maverick as your skipper, expect trouble. Well, Stanley, I suppose you would be an expert in that field, maverick. would you not? I don't even, I wouldn't, Maverick is being kind. Really? Cost every manager that signed him his job. <laughs> I get the feeling you don't like him. You haven't much time for Stanley. No. No? He scored a hat-trick for Leicester once, and I managed to get away with the analysis by not mentioning his name once. Did he not come looking for you one day? He didn't. He put it in his book. He said he came, he came, uh, he, he, he came Bradford. to Bradford. Yeah, when he, I remember when, that. When he was wearing the Bantams jersey with yes. pride, having fallen from an enormous height. Because he should have had a career. He was a player. Oh, he was Two a great feet. player. Head, but, but, but the number of times... Forrest and Liverpool, they were, he was sensational yeah. unplayable at times. But, but he just... He, he, he just listen, uh, he, was, he was quite close to a very good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And uh, perhaps the information I have um, um, colours my stance on right. this. Uh, but, but no, Stanley, Victor Collymore, um, no. 
And he didn't come back. I, I told Jerry, our props guy, send him back. Send him back. Yeah, well, he knew what he was dealing with, yeah. son. That's what it Correct. was. Correct. <laughs> exactly. But what, I remember that. What a waste Frank of talent. Club. What a terrible, terrible waste. Well, he's not alone. There's been a, there's been a few like that. Mm. Now, I want to discuss this further with you. It's something we talked on Being Sports about last night. Because what went through my mind overnight, <laughs> you sat unable to sleep. Same with me to a degree. I fully endorse and would love to see Wayne Rooney as manager yeah, of Everton. Yeah, yeah. I cannot see what the problem would be and what it is that you might not like about that prospect. I don't let me know. Let me put the case for Rooney Go and on. then you can answer. Mm. New Howard Kendall. No different to Howard. Howard had a bang ordinary management career, player management career mm -hmm. with Blackburn. Mm -hmm. Wayne Rooney at Derby has probably seen more and experienced more as a coach with problems both on and off the field mm -hmm. than anybody else in the yeah. championship. Yeah. I think he's got a very competitive Derby side. They went to Coventry recently and Mark Robbins said post-match, mm -hmm. that's the best team we've played. Yeah. They're a really good side. Yeah. Likes a drink. So what? So did Howard. So what? Uh, young coach, so he will, he, he will bring with him mm -hmm. modern ideas. Mm -hmm. Played for Fergie for forever and mm -hmm. a day. Played for some really good coaches. Um, I, and, and he's Nevertonian. Yeah. And what you've got there now is someone who's, who's oh, however, no, no, no. He, however like he tries it. to repackage himself, he's a red, is a red, is a red, he's agent Rafa, yeah, and he should not be Wayne Rooney or Rafa Benitez, and it's Wayne Rooney all day long. I was just saying to you, that I hadn't thought about Wayne, I must be honest. I'd said, you know, I, I thought from the interim, if he goes Benitez, then somebody like Duncan Ferguson, who's, who's had his hands on it, who knows about it, who again, who's an Evertonian, again, is young and ambitious, and, and, and the punters love him. And it immediately would give the whole club an uplift of something like that. I even suggested you, Adrian Heath, who said a terrific yeah. coaching career yes, in the absolutely. US. Uh, what he's achieved there with the teams and the quality of footballer he's been working Agreed. with. Agreed. has been fantastic. Another Evertonian through and through to there. I hadn't given Wayne a minute's thought, and I don't know why. And again, like this morning when I woke up, I thought about what you were saying last night. And now I can't find fault with what you say about Wayne. And I can't argue, I can't give you a decent argument as to why not Wayne Rooney, apart from inexperience. But then the guys that I've mentioned have the same problem, inexperience. Yeah. So I, don't, I, can't, I can't find an argument, Keezy. But as I would say, any one of those three, for me, that I've mentioned, that you've mentioned Wayne, I mentioned Duncan and, and Inchi, any one of those three for me would lift that club immediately. And who knows what kind of job they might do. Yeah, I, 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 he's, he's a toffee, Andy. Yeah. At the end he of is. the day. And, yes. and I've always said, I think Everton is a unique football club. Yeah. I've been critical of the class of 92, demanding that, that, that nobody could ever change the way that things are done at Manchester United. Um, so so I, I suppose I've opened myself to the allegation that um, I, I, I shouldn't really be talking about someone who understands the club taking Everton. Well, no, no, but there's, it a, is. there's a difference between understanding the club and saying that Wayne Rooney's going to come in and bring the same type of football. It's, let's say Howard's team did in the eight, we did in the 80s. That's not going to happen. Wayne will bring a modern brand of football to mm. Everton. But he's an Evertonian and he understands the club. It's not about what you do on the pitch. It's knowing what the club... David Moyes got it right away. Yes. Got it right away. Well, David gave us... The People's, the People's Club. Club. But I remember, see, I was there when Howard started and, and he, he was initially player manager. I know. And it was sad to see him trawling that big backside <laughs> up and down a, a, a wide right of three in midfield. The fella couldn't run at that point. And it, it was going nowhere until you and Reedy arrived. And, 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 and you know, he, he promoted Colin from the yeah, reserves, as you know, and the effect that, that he had. But I think Evertonians were happier to give Howard a chance. Yes. 
because he was part of the Holy Trinity. I think Philip Carter was. So Philip was half, yeah. he gave him more of a chance. Yeah. Everybody Whereas Mashiri's locked himself yeah. into, however, I, I say it again, however you try and repackage it, a red. Mm. And he'll never be able to leave that behind. No. And he's, he's not, I don't, I don't think he's convincing. I was going to use a different word. I don't think he's convincing <laughs> Evertonians <laughs> that, that he cares as much about it for the club as he does himself. And no. that for me is, people say, why, why, why do you dislike Rafa? Well, because I, I can't think of another coach that's, that's ever been more self-centred mm. and concerned about yeah. himself than, than the clubs he works for and the places that he's been to. I don't to. so much dislike him because I don't know him. But what I, what I judge my... Uh, anti-Rafa appointment on was the fact that, come on guys, for the last, well, since he left Liverpool, people say he's won bits and pieces, but he lasted, what, six months at Madrid, six Mm -hmm. months at Inter, six months at Chelsea, you know, and he he goes and ends up leaving Newcastle, having done, really, I mean, Newcastle fans will probably argue that he did a brilliant job, I would argue he did. No, he he didn't. The Newcastle fans fell in love with him because he fought Mike Ashley. And he knew knew that he could fight Ashley publicly and get nowhere internally, but it would play well with the supporters. Then he leaves for a long-term project in China, China. which is worth 14 mil a year or whatever it was. China. And that's all over in 14 months. China that convinced Mashiri this is the man to take Everton forward. Well, I, I, I'm sorry, that that's I what I base my 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 my, my displeasure that, that was the appointment. Know. There were so many other other better options for Everton to step ahead with than to go and appoint Rafa. Benitez. What I do know is Bill Kenwright didn't want him, doesn't want him, isn't happy about him. No. It's very much a Mashiri appointment. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely that. What's wrong with Marcus Rashford? I don't know. You've uh, I don't know. Yeah, I know you've been. Fairly critical of him, and well, a little bit. Well, Not fairly critical, but you've been honest about him in all, your opinion. All I've done is make the point, Andy, yeah. that that what he did for for children mm-hmm. that, that Sensational. can't afford Sensational. school meals, or worse, and that is a situation that no one thinks about in holidays. What those same children do for food, absolutely fantastic, brilliant. Yeah, and what he did this week with uh, Tom Kerridge was it wrapping up a ten pound. Christmas dinner for those that can't afford it. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Solskjaer mentioned it and was, was, was immediately rounded on, a little yeah. bit like me, because yeah. what Ollie said, I, I agreed with and said so at the time. It, you've really got to start thinking about your football markers. This is a, this is a lad, Andy. He's 24, 25 now. Mm-hmm. To, to, came on the scene and, and, and we all thought we'll be an England regular uh, uh, alongside Harry Kane for the next decade. He's not even first pick at Manchester United. Mason Greenwood's probably having more an effect on that team than, mm-hmm. than Marcus Rashford. It, it bothered me when he went to the Palace to pick up his gong that he went dressed by Burberry and, and with GQ. The old, the old no, but this was, this was a specific, Andy. He was, he was dressed by Burberry. It was a fo- they made it a photo shoot. They made it a presence. You know, I, I read a piece recently. No reason why he can't go out. Of course there isn't. But on a Thursday night in London with Jesse Lingard... I, I, I don't know if his mind is entirely where it should be if you're earning the money that he is from Manchester United and he's failing to deliver. And he is at the moment. He's nothing yes. like the player that he was. He's a million miles off it. And unless he gets his head straight, whatever's going on in there, I don't know. No. But unless he okay. gets his head straight, uh, you, 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 listen, you've been around football clubs mm-hmm. and you've probably seen more of this than I have, mm-hmm. but I... I just look at someone who's wasting years at the they moment. They can drift. Right, I, I, would, I would offer up some sort of defence of him and respect that he hasn't played enough football. He's basically since the summer, since Euros, he's been carrying injury. 
And, you know, it's, it's been tough for him to get himself fit. So first and foremost, I would think, get yourself fit, Marcus. Get yourself playing regularly. He started six league games this season. Six. Marcus Rashford, who was at England shoe-in that's my point six months ago that's so he's point. only started six if he was so good he, enough to start more then no, he no, would have done but he's been injured initially he has been injured Richard. there we are this, this is what I'm talking about Rashford and Jesse Lingard yeah. attend glitzy Dior men's fashion event in London as United and uh, do, do I enjoy some downtime before Saturday's oh, clash on, with can't, Norwich you can't argue that they're a title to go with that if they want well it's like so you, they you, go to a Dior, fa Dior fashion you can if you some might go to, go to the pub yeah, for a few pints but you can if your form's as bad as his is and if you've been injured and you're supposed to be looking after yourself in he, rehab. He needs, he needs to start playing regularly. That I, I, that I would agree with. And then, listen, like all athletes, um, you know, form is temporary. Class is permanent. So it's up to him to show us that he has got class and it's not just form and that he's going to dip in and out the way he is. He's in a bad, he's in a bad way at the moment. He looks a shadow of the player, I would agree. There's little cameos that come up every now and again. When you watch him play, you think, oh, wow, that's more like the Marcus Rashford that, that, that we saw and who has grown... Uh, for Manchester United but it doesn't happen often enough these days and it's, it is a problem for him only he knows if he's devoting enough time I would hate to think he isn't I, from what I see of the lad I can't believe he, that he doesn't still desire success but he's not game. a lad now is he he's a man he's, he's still a lad he's a man, yeah, he's he's a man. man. well I can't believe he doesn't desire where were you at 25 what did you achieve at that time well, well different different world why is it different no, it's not different it's exactly the same yeah well I, I couldn't afford Dior. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't afford anything back then. Uh, I'm lucky if I got a pair of Adidas, I was delighted. <laughs> your, your Adidas crowdfinders. Crowd <laughs> no. Oh, no. Uh, got a pair of boots, you were delighted back in those days. Some, some, some local establishment, like, yeah. like a, you know, a fashion shop there. Uh, a boutique was opening, maybe, and you were uh, you were quite good in Birmingham. I got a pair of Gola once from, from Phil Neal. Yeah, oh, Liverpool, Liverpool's chosen boot provider in those days was uh, Gola. Gola was it? At the end of the season, Bob used to hand out the boot money, which was about <laughs> 25 quid each for each player. <laughs> and the boys always said when he goes, there'll be a race to his house because the rest of the cash will be under we'll the floor. <laughs> oh, no. so, so, but I hope he does find, it, find, that, find his form again and, and finds what, what, what he has been for the last four years absolutely sensational um, but it's down to him um, that only so much a coach can do only so much coaching staff can urge you on and, and work you um, it's up to him and, and mentally if he's sound and he's alright then I would expect Marcus Rashford before too long to be back doing what he does best I hope so anyway yeah, I think we all do. I'll pose the same question. You know the answer now, but right. nevertheless, for those who didn't hear it on Being Sports, um, if Marco, Marcello Bielsa is a genius, <laughs> and that's how he's often described, how come he can't speak English? Probably doesn't want to. Do you think he can? And he's not telling us. Oh, well, our guest today hopefully has the answer because he follows Leeds. He, he, he works uh, for... Uh, Leeds United uh, TV, I believe, these days um, uh, a lot. We'll we'll get that confirmed in just a moment. Like as well. to tell us. well, I'd like to think, yeah, because that's why he's <laughs> that's why he's here. <laughs> I'd like to think, but I I just think Bielsa after this time should yes. be talking to Leeds Agreed. fans. Agreed. In, in English. English. Yeah. I mean, even though, even if he didn't have a a, a a syllable of it when he arrived here three years ago, in the three years he's been in England, having okay decided to stay, you would think he would have commanded enough mastery of the English language to, to talk to people mm. and even in very basic terms but uh, I think it's and it's disappointing for Leeds they never the only thing they hear from their coaches in a, what Spanish would it be yeah I guess it would be Spanish the yeah. only thing they hear from was in Spanish 
So, uh, well, let me just address that, by the way. One other thing I tweeted right. this week about um, Benitez, Everton should should make the call now because right. it's only going to get more expensive if right. they don't. And I, I mentioned the fact that he will turn the staff Spanish, mm-hmm. which he will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you then get the, you get the, the, the I mean, I don't know what sort of world these people inhabit. And oh, casual racism. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not casual <laughs> racism. My point is that a Spanish manager will want Spanish staff mm-hmm. all the way through the club. Yeah. He's already changed the medical team because yeah. he's been unhappy with them. So the more Spaniards he employs. And director of football. Yeah. So, so, so the next man says Dutch. Then what? You've got 20 people behind the scenes you've got to pay off. Mm-hmm. Just just make that call now and, and, and plan properly. It's mm-hmm. not casual racism. No. Just honestly, Andy. But some of these people... But, they, they, you know, I, I suppose they want to try to start a forest fire. Absolutely. Um, but but in, in saying what we have, um, you know, you, I, I, when I, I'm being sports mentioned, oh, so you speak Arabic. No, I don't have to. And and if I did, I would. And and, and I speak we, pigeon Arabic we, like we do you. speak pigeon Arabic. Yes. And we, we can say hello and how are yeah. you to and, our and Arabic And you friends. would make the effort. Yes, we do make and the And anybody effort. playing football abroad will tell you that if they learn the language, life's a lot easier. A lot easier. Anyway, shall we introduce our guest? Yes, why not? You know what I found out this week? Didn't realise, player of the year, uh-huh. virtually every football club he played for in the first season of his time with that football. Villa, Chelsea, Leeds, player of the year. Good in player. The first, yeah. I played with him at Villa. Did he win it in his first year? Yes. Oh, I came back, I came back <laughs> after that. So. By the way, I, 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 in, in um, researching this week, I, I sent it to you as well, the link, uh, Leeds versus Manchester City, 1991. Uh, player manager of Manchester City, Peter Reid. Oh, sorry, the penalty. Oh, it's a brilliant <laughs> one. Oh, I was wetting myself. <laughs> I felt like I was peeing myself. He hits... The post the with post. the pen, yeah. for those of you who haven't seen it. Hits uh, the post with the pen, sticks the rebound in, yeah. and then wheels away celebrating. Celebrate. And then oh, <laughs> the the boys the Gary Mann comes up and says, Gary, but, No. Uh, David you, Batty. Yeah. Was <laughs> oh, come on. So what are you doing, Reedy? Uh, what? Uh, score? Uh, no, you haven't. <laughs> you can't do that, Reedy. So good. That was funny. Also scoring in that game, an absolute screamer was our guest this week. Um, yeah. Anthony Robert Dorigo. Tony, how are you? Uh, very good, thanks. Very good indeed. How are you guys? We are very, very well, young man. Very well indeed. I'm, I'm going to start right. uh, with, with something I hadn't realised. Right. I thought I knew Tony well, and then I, I was reading up this week about his career. Player of the Year in his first year at Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. Player of the Year in his first year at Chelsea. Better start. Player of the Year in his first year at Leeds. Better start. And Player of the Year in his first year <laughs> at Torino. My goodness, Tony. <laughs> I know. I've found it out now. You should only sign him for a year. You know what? If I kept moving around... (laughs) You'd have been brilliant. Uh, We've spoken with another of um, our favourite Aussies at different times, Craig Johnston, Tony, whose story is uh, about getting started is as good as anybody's. But uh, I, I look at yours and you were pretty determined to make it as a footballer, weren't you? Yes, absolutely. Because um, growing up in Australia, uh, you know, it's not, well, it wasn't then full time. Uh, it's not something that you could have done and earned a lot of money from. But I wanted to just, you know, play the game uh, for my career. So I always uh, looked abroad. Uh, Italy was kind of out because I couldn't speak Italian at that point. My father never taught me growing up, which is a, which is a real shame. Yeah, I was, uh, I was I saw... surprised, Tony, to see that. You, yeah. you're growing, you're, Dad's Italian. 
mum's Aussie and you didn't speak it, speak the language. And and normally, you're right, and normally, you know, Italian fathers and what have you, they always speak yeah. uh, in their, their mother tongue. Uh, so that, that was a shame. So it was match of the day or star soccer on TV. So I watched the English football. Uh, and for me, it was, you know, that that's what it was all about. So I, I wrote letters. <laughs> At 15, I, I wrote 12 letters to the top 12 teams in Division One at that time. And uh, and just waited for a reply. I, I wrote some rubbish. I have to say, I wrote some crap in those four pages. <laughs> well, you were fifteen. But I, <laughs> you're entitled exactly. to write. You're entitled to write rubbish at fifteen, Tony. <laughs> okay, I wrote plenty of rubbish. To be fair, but uh, the thing is, at fifteen, I was in the first team. I just played my first game in the first team out in Adelaide, and I remember going into the dressing room and uh, you know putting on the shorts, and uh, they didn't fit me. I had to get my own little pair of shorts. I was so skinny. I was so small. But I'd already... Uh, I always had the, the other problem, Tony, I found. I, when, when I played football, I always needed extra large. Yeah, I just big needed, fat arse. No, no, no. A <laughs> little bit of room at the front was, yeah, was helpful. Yeah, to be fair, fat arse, that's what it was. you proud now as well. So how many replied to, to the 12 letters? One. Just one. It was Aston Villa. And uh, you know when the, when you're a kid and you've got an envelope with the Aston Villa emblem oh, on yeah. the front? Yeah. And I, I was beside myself. I thought, this is just unbelievable. And, uh, of course, opening it up and then reading that I was allowed to have a four-day trial from Monday wow. to Thursday. Pressure. But basically, get yourself into Birmingham uh, and then we'll look after you once you get here. But uh, you've got four days. Not a Friday because you'll get in the way, obviously, on the, yeah. on the set pieces for Saturday. <laughs> and that was it. And that was it. I came over. I left the lovely sunshine. Arrived Birmingham, October, freezing. Oh, it was ridiculously cold. Uh, ended up at Bodymore Heath. <laughs> Andy, you know all about that. And, I know uh, yeah, all about that. It was yeah. a great experience. Great well, experience. I rejoined Villa when Tony was there. Yeah, so you had a season so together. So we had a season together. Well, maybe two, maybe two. Well, certainly one anyway. And I never forget yeah. a young 20 year old, I think he would have been there, were playing at Watford. Yeah. And he rifled this cross across goal. <laughs> I mean, no centre forward in his life should get anywhere near it. But I've, I threw myself horizontally at it, rattled into the top corner. Tony could cross a ball, that was for sure. And I thought, wow, this kid's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be, to be fair, you. I, I thought, you know what? When you've got an Andy Gray in the box, you don't muck about. Do no, you? just you get, get it in, and you put it into an area. Granted, I may have hit this one a bit firm, but you know what? Andy flung himself there and still managed to score. The last but thing. you know what it reminds yeah, me of? No, I think about it. You know what it reminds me? Did you see Trent Alexander-Arnold's goal last night? Yeah. Did you yeah. see the way he had, that? That was like your crosses used to come in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, he's <laughs> it. Well, you, you used to drill them. Well, that's fine. Oh, Pay, okay. I liked it. it. Just I liked it. it. Yeah. Just steer it. it. Um, <laughs> so I, 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 all the years I've known you, you've always come across to me as a nice, amiable enjoyable mm -hmm. character, mm -hmm. someone that you want to have around the football club. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. how the hell did you end up falling out with Bobby Campbell at Chelsea? Uh, good old Bobby Campbell. Uh, um, it was more to do with Batesy, to be honest. Uh, ah. That was that was more, yeah, and that's <laughs> quite easy to do. <laughs> there we are, then. There's the answer. Usually, how probably the manager, the Batesy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you probably do that on the hour every day. Um, so yeah, so it was, it was more to do with uh, Mr. Bates and it was uh, a case of I really thought at the time when I was playing at Chelsea that it was so many issues and, you know, little things affected the team greatly. And I don't know about you, Andy, but any sort of club and really good team that you, you go to and are successful, you know, everyone's rowing in the same direction, yeah, you know, everyone. Uh, and that's really important. So the group that you end up, you know, getting uh, is really strong. And, and that also means, the, you know, the execs and mm. the owner and the, the coaches and the managers. And at Chelsea, honestly, at times it was chaos. Uh, we had really good players. So, 
you know, Steve Clark, Gordon Jury, Kerry Dixon, Pat Nevin. Mm. You know, mm. it was it was wonderful. Yet we got relegated. Then the following season, I think we won by 15 points. Then we finished seventh or eighth. Honestly, it was just chaos. So I said, listen, um, I wanted to leave. Glasgow Rangers came in for me. And uh, Mr. Sunes and all the English boys were up there. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, at one point I said, right, yeah. So I went up to see, see Ken and I explained why I wanted to leave. I wrote a letter and uh, he listened, actually, to be fair to him, for <laughs> 15, 20 minutes. I, I, <laughs> well, I thought he listened. To be fair, I thought he listened. <laughs> yeah. no, he and he got my contract. Yeah, he turned it over and said, you've still got two years left on your contract. There's the effing door. <laughs> and that was it. And so I'm an England international I've just been told where the effing door is, <laughs> and I thought, that's fine. I will not sign a new contract here, uh, and I will walk at the end of it. But you know I'm going to give 110% until then. So that's kind of what it was. And then Bobby Campbell, uh, because I wouldn't sign a contract or refuse to even negotiate, uh, that's why he then left me out. Uh, and that's kind of what the, the issue was. So not really with Bobby. It was just a case that I was, I was always leaving well, Chelsea. Quite right. Yeah, it turned out not, by the way, yeah. it turned out to be not a bad move. Absolutely. The only downside... <laughs> yeah, well, no, exactly right. Yeah. The only well, downside, Tony, and, and um, I, I guess there's one or two stories to accompany it, is that obviously joined Leeds, title-winning, I mean, fabulous football team. Well, fabulous I team. I know. But you had to room with David Batty, didn't you? Did you? Hmm. Yeah, I did. Oh. And that's dangerous. Was that by choice? I needed danger, I needed danger money. <laughs> uh, well, actually, I, I, if, if it was by choice, it would be Chrissy Fairclough. So me and Chrissy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's who at, at, uh, at Leeds I kind of room with. But yeah. England, it was David Batty. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I, I admire Bats in lots of ways. Firstly, uh, as a teammate, clearly, you know, if you're ever going to war in the trenches with someone yeah. uh, alongside you, it's Bats all day long. You know, uh, I love the guy. And I thought... Um, you know, he was so, not underrated, but certainly not by the players within the team. Well, you know, Bats was, was great. Uh, but he also had a gift of, you know what, doing exactly what he wanted. So he didn't really want to comply with what the norm was, what others want. He would do what he wanted. He, he didn't like football, basically. He loved motorcycle racing or he loved whatever it was. So I thought, you know what, it, it takes, it, I think it takes some balls to go and do exactly what you want in every situation. And that Bats wasn't far off that. But, there was one time in New Zealand where I was rooming with Bats and um, there was a day off. I went to play golf and Bats went fishing, but he went in his England tracksuit. So he came back with fish guts all over his England tracksuit. Honestly, he was, it was disgusting. He came back to the room before dinner. I thought, Bats, your tracksuit is absolutely friggin' disgusting. What are you doing? So he took it off and he said, it's not my tracksuit, it's, it's yours. yours. <laughs> and threw it to me and put the clean one on. Ah, brilliant. Just somebody sends their best. I meant to tell you, I was playing golf in Qatar here yesterday with uh, Yorkie, 
and I told him we were talking, yeah. going to be talking to you. So he said, send, send, send him my love. So done and Dusty does that. Why does what everybody laugh uproariously? I know, when he mentioned Yorkie's, Yorkie's name. name. Well, I tell, you, I, tell you why, I tell you why with Yorkie. Yorkie, we must have played golf four or five days in a row this one time. And uh, the first time we thought, right, what should we play for? And I said, you know what, let's play for lunch. So, of course... I won the first time. That was fine. The next day, I won again. So the lunch got p- bigger and bigger. <laughs> By the fifth day, Yorkie didn't want to eat. I said, come on, mate. You've got to eat. <laughs> um, the lobster was lovely on the fifth day. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, way, unless you've been practicing, you won't beat him now. No. Well, well he's playing fair, well, isn't he? He hits it absolutely miles. Yeah. He, uh, you can see he can play. But off, off one or two, it's a tough, tough no, answer. Do you know what he is? Point what? one, he told me. That's his oh handicap official, point yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that is good. Do, you, is do good. you still have fond memories of you golfing Qatar, Tony? Oh, I certainly do, <laughs> certainly do. It's trying, to, it's trying to survive. And one, one in particular, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Uh, one round in particular was quite memorable. Tell us. With uh, Rude Hullets. Uh, well, Rude Hullets, Clive Allen and uh, Andy Kerr and uh, myself, and obviously Andy, a presenter at being uh, a four ball. And um, we were playing away and we're having a bit of a bad time because Rude was playing really well. So I think we're three or four down uh, after about eight holes. And on the ninth, it's par five. I hit it slightly into the desert. I go and have a look for my ball, but I couldn't quite see the flag. So I just stepped back a couple of steps and tripped <laughs> over a rock, put my hand out and snapped my wrist oh, in God knows how many pieces. Uh-huh. It's the worst injury I've ever had. And it was on the golf course out in Lincoln, Qatar. Uh. My my, now my wrist is at funny angles and bones sticking out everywhere. I pick up my ball, though, to be fair, oh, and luck. I pick up my club up with my other hand. I walk to Rude. I said, Rude, I've broken my wrist. Uh, I think I'm going to go and see someone. And he says, have you got an animal in there? I said, an animal? What are you talking about? I broke my bloody wrist. He goes, let's have a look. I show him. He goes, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, sorry, I'm going to play on because I'm, I'm two under after eight. I'm playing really well. Someone else can take me to the hospital. I thought, you And to be fair, being three down, I thought it's a bit extreme to get out the game. But yeah, I didn't lose anyway. I, uh, I you will appreciate, Andy. Uh, Tony, like me, is left-handed. And he yes. got a lovely new set of clubs. I did offer to look after them until he was able to play again. <laughs> exactly. But selfishly, a little bit like Hullet, <laughs> he, he said, no, 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 I'll take them home ah, with me. Which I thought to, was pretty poor. Fair, if, well, to be fair, if you touched them, you know, I didn't want to get them diseased. Or anything, <laughs> exactly. <that's> the thing. <laughs> I've seen your swing. Yeah. So just to finish uh, on, on your career, because there's other things I'd love to run past you today. Uh, Graham Sunes eventually does get his man, which is you, takes you to Torino. Mm-hmm. Um, did you enjoy that spell? And what was it like working for Graham? Because Andy had the same situation, yeah. uh, of course, at Glasgow Rangers. Yeah. I must admit, I, I absolutely love the um, the experience. I've always wanted to go to Italy, but um, you know, I had to go into the to the end of my career, which obviously I wasn't in my, my best shape. But uh, you know what? It, it was great. Uh, yeah, and Graham gave me a call and said, listen, we've got uh, 14 new players at Torino. And cool. uh None of them have got a left foot, so can you come? <laughs> I thought, right, I'm a, let's go then. You know, uh, uh, it was lovely. Uh, the experience was great. Just the the, the different um, you know ways of doing things. Obviously, learning new language, the the, the life out there, the mm. food. You learned the, the language. Everything. You learned the language, did you, Tony? Yeah, first you learn swear words. That's that's the straightforward yeah. one. That's yeah. the first week or two. Uh, then it's football terms, and and then yeah, you slowly pick things up. Yeah. So I, I thought it was great. But what was surprising me, Graham uh, didn't speak Italian very well. 
uh, but obviously he was there quite a few years. Of course he did. And so he, yeah, so yeah, exactly. So he had to do it. Why don't they speak English? Because uh, so <laughs> you're in Italy, Graham. Just, yeah, exactly. just before we leave it, what was it about Marco Ferranti that Graham didn't like very much? A, a very good one-touch oh, finisher, if my no. memory serves me well, correct. Well, Marco Ferranti, uh, must admit, was one of the best. And obviously, uh, I think Gary Lineker was one of the best one-touch finishers. This guy, Marco Ferranti, was right up there uh, with him. He played for Inter and Napoli. He didn't quite you know, hit those heights, but great player but he used to muck about and he used to like taking the pee out of the, the players so he played kickball in a circle and Marco one touch he would get it but catch it on his sole like go forward back and forward and then <laughs> pass it off again and a lot of time he'd like toe poke it, toe poke it through the legs and you know everyone would be laughing and what have you so, anyway, so this was going on the one morning and uh, Graham clearly didn't like it so he comes striding up we're all having a laugh and a giggle and he looks at me, you know what's coming next. He looks at me and says, right, watch out, here we go. So he stands on the outside. First thing he does is gives the ball away. I'm thinking, oh, this is not good news. This is not good news. Then he looks at me, gives me a wink and nods and says, pass it to Ferrante. I thought, oh, no. So I pass it first time to Marco, who traps it on the ball, again, on the sole of his foot, goes back and forward, and then toe pokes it off. But what Marco missed was Graham getting a kind of a head of steam up, running towards him, just took him out, run straight at him, shoulder in the head. Ferranti goes down like a sack of potatoes. I'm laughing and no one else is. They're all calling the doctor. Dottore, dottore. Oh, God. That doesn't sound like Graham. So, yeah. Well, it's uh, funny yeah. mentioning Yorkie. Yorkie. He, he had the same experience, Tony, of course, at Blackburn. I'm sure he's told oh. you about it, where, where he turned up in the canteen carrying his leg one afternoon yeah. after. I didn't say uh, anyway, look, t speaking of talking languages, I know you're associated back yes. with the football club. I know you follow them because you're working with Leeds LUF, LUTV. Mm -hmm. um, yep. The question I've posed a couple of times, if Mar Marcello Bielsa is a genius, and, and everybody tells me he is, why can't he speak English? Uh, that's a really good point. Uh, it really is. And I think clearly he can. Uh, clearly he doesn't want to uh, get you know tripped up by anyone, so therefore it's easier not to say anything. Uh, I don't quite agree with that. I think you you, know, you have to try and do it. But I think anyone that's played abroad will understand as well with a manager like Graham Souness, you know, trying to get his message across if you can't speak Italian, mm -hmm. I think is almost impossible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can't running around knocking people out. You know that doesn't work. You need to do it a different way. He didn't do badly. And, uh, <laughs> he didn't do it. Yeah. So uh, uh, and so Marcelo doesn't do that, but he has a, an army of coaches kind of all around him and the, the message is really clear you know to the players uh you know absolutely there is no no doubt what they what's required with their movements and everything else but uh, yeah it's a real shame and not in, even with the club tv you know he doesn't get interviewed after the games which is a shame yeah i see i because i, I oh, it's such a difficult one and i don't want to lead you into areas of controversy no. but I, I just think leeds fans deserve to hear from him don't you even if it was on club tv yes that, that he says yeah, no, something in a in, in a tongue right. that they understand. You are absolutely right, and and I, I do agree. And I just think I, I get it after the first year, maybe two years, but uh, you know we we really want to hear uh, from him and the interpreter. It's funny we <laughs> before the the live games early UTV we run in an interview with Marcelo, mm, mm. and uh, of course it's uh, it takes six or seven minutes. The interpreter manages you know one or two questions, and that's about it. Yeah. 
So it's a shame. We, we, we really want to know, you know, exactly how he feels. You'll have to um, work on him, Tony. Yeah. <clears throat> and well, I'm not sure that's going to work. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> well, it, it, what's interesting, of course, he's he's put himself up on offer after the press conference this week, saying, he, he of course, he's not unsackable. Um, after what happened at City, Tony, are there concerns in and around the club about the future there for Bielsa? Well, uh, listen, yeah, well, I think there always has to be concerns whether you know you're looking at uh, the bottom three or the manager, and that is that's the way the clubs operate, don't they? Nowadays, they're always you know planning for the future. When that, when the decisions or changes has to come, whether it's you know short term or long term, another three four years, who knows? But he's already been uh, at this club for for much longer than he's been anywhere else. But yes. they absolutely love him, and he has an affinity you know with the club and the fans. And I think also it's the, it's the I suppose the the way he works and how he works, it's making sure the owners allow him to do that. And here, they do. So mm-hmm. with that environment, he certainly enjoys it. But uh, it is all about you know, what you do out on the football pitch, and yeah. uh, he's done fantastically for a long period of time. Are you confident Everton will sort itself out this season? It's a, you're a little bit too low in that league for Leeds liking, aren't they? No, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I, I am confident. I, I think we need to obviously get our, our players back, and mm-hmm. that is the big problem. I think now for... Uh, Saturday's game, we're going to have nine first-teamers out and we haven't got a big squad, so you're going to see one or two new faces and, and that's going to be very difficult. Mm. But once they do come back, uh, I do think we'll be okay. But as you know, Andy, when mm. you get down in that sort of area, yeah. Yeah. it's then can you then cope and play the same way? Mm. I, I think that's the, that's the question mark. Aside from the fact he's injured himself celebrating that equalising goal recently, oh. uh, which, which wasn't very helpful, <laughs> I like Bamford, Tony. What sort of lad is he? Uh, he's a good lad. He's an honest lad. And what I like about him is that if you looked at the way he played before, um, as you know, Middlesbrough, Chelsea, Nottingham Forest, wherever he was, uh, he's changed and he's had to change. And suddenly that physical side, that, that, uh, you know, strength holding the ball up and doing things that really wasn't Patrick Bamford before, mm-hmm. you know, he could not see sacrificed himself. So he's smart enough to understand what he needs to do to get better. And he has got a load better and he's not the only one. You look at some players like, uh, Cooper, uh, Calvin Phillips, yeah. uh, Dallas. They, it goes on and on and on. And no disrespect to those boys, but when I first saw them three, probably three years ago or so, I'm thinking, I'm not sure they're good enough for the championship. Mm. How wrong was I? Because look what Marcelo's done to them. You know, and now they are Premier League players and, and certainly Calvin's you know, a fantastic international player. So um, I put Bamford up with that in the, a good squad and he's smart enough to understand where he needs to improve. And, and he has. And he, I think he's done great. And yeah. is, it, is it an easy shot um, to, to suggest that the boys are looking tired again because uh, of the consistency of murder ball and the intensity of training there? Uh, it's slightly... There's a lot more to it you know, than just that. I, I think it's interesting when... Uh, anytime i played for a, a winning side, something that energy seems to be on tap. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really matter. No. When you're losing, suddenly you're running through treacle. So I would put a bit of it down to that. Clearly, you know, that he works the lads very, very hard. That's hard physically and mentally. But don't forget, Premier League, there's, there's less games. Championship, there's not a, you know, eight, nine games. Yeah. So uh, I think once things start to flow, once things, you know, results come back, uh, you'll see that. And the energy and looking at the stats, it's slightly down, but mm-hmm. still we are way up near the top of all the Premier League sides. So uh, I think that's, that's a bit too simplistic. Mm. Do you know, let me ask you about the international just briefly. I've always wanted to ask you this. Born and bred and raised in Australia, yet mm. an England international. When mm. when that decision was to be made, how difficult was it, or was it? 
Uh, do you want to speak about the cricket first? Sorry. You see, he's still he's still an Aussie. He is still an Aussie. He's still an Aussie. Yeah. Quite right. I'm happy to speak about the cricket. I, 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 don't, I, don't mind. I got confused. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's funny because I, I was at Aston Villa for the for the uh, the Ashes series, the first one that I went to see. I can't remember. Uh, we're back at Edgebaston. Yeah. And uh, both of them was facing Craig McDermott, the fast bowler for uh, for the Aussies. And uh, I'm in the crowd, obviously with the, with some teammates. Uh, me supporting the Aussies and both of them just kept hitting him for six. I mean, it was one of those tests where it was, and I got such abuse. I thought, gee, yeah, cricket. So I am very much a, an Aussie, but uh, in football terms, no, it, it certainly is now now England. But it was a, a a tough decision, and I will be honest and say that if if I had to make that decision now, mm-hmm. uh, I would have the opportunity quite comfortably to play for Australia because yeah. the international calendars are aligned, and yeah. and I would have done I would have done that. There's no doubt, but. Yeah. Back then, it wasn't. And I remember going in to see, uh, I think it was Tony Barton. Australia asked me to play for them in their World Cup qualifiers. And they had a chunk of games really close together. And I just managed to get in to the Aston Villa first team. So I'm playing Arsenal at Highbury as an 18-year-old kid. I'm mm. you know, going to Old Trafford. I'm playing Liverpool at, at Villa Park under the lights. And you know, all these big games are coming up. And then Tony Barton says to me, so who have you got for Australia in the qualifying? I said, well, I've got Fiji. <laughs> Uh, I've got New Zealand, and I've got American Samoa. <laughs> American Samoa. I didn't even I didn't know, even know that was a country. Was an <laughs> but anyway, they beat them 24-0 or something, rather. So uh, he said, you know what? You ain't going. That's just ridiculous. You know, you need your football education. Yeah, you know, forget it. So that was it. I ran out with the tail between my legs. Uh, and the end. And then two years later, England came to me and said, if you wait one more year, uh, residency, so you need to be here five years, you can then get a British passport and we'd like you to pick us uh, if that's uh, what you'd like to do. And that's when the decision had to be made. And I thought, well, I can't play for Australia anyway because of the way the calendar was. Mm. Uh, so that's why I went for England. But well, uh, I'm still here. I, I love the wet and damp too much. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hope that nobody holds that against you in absolutely. Australia, Tony. It was a question of means must at the yeah, time, absolutely. wasn't it? So, but we miss yeah, you, my friend. Yeah, we we, understand that. we yeah, do that's miss you, Tony. Well, yes. What else are you up to these days? Um, well, I'm um, doing obviously still my uh, my commentary. So a lot of the city art commentary I still do, which uh, I very much enjoy uh, for BT Sport and IMG and what have you. But I also do some uh, corporate speaking, so some motivational speaking. So uh, yeah, not so much the after dinner stuff where everyone gets absolutely lashed. I kind of make some sense and uh, and try and help okay. and, and, and help uh, businesses with some football stories. So yeah, all good. Nice. Great. Excellent. Excellent. Well, continue in that vein, and hopefully, as uh, yes, if, hopefully. if ever COVID allows us, Tony, we'll see you back here sometime soon. Yeah, look forward to that very and much. I, and I promise, I'll yourself. help you look for your golf ball if you attend the desert. <laughs> <laughs> no, he found his golf ball. It's his you wrist he's looking for. <laughs> for some reason, I've, I've got a lot straighter now because I'm not going to the <laughs> I love that though, Hullet. Well, look, you go in. I'm two under. I'm, I'm going to finish. I'm not wasting this room. <laughs> That's rude, isn't it? That yeah, is rude. Very much so. Uh, very much. Tony, thanks for talking thanks to us. Going. Good luck to you. Take Love care, pal. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Yeah, nice nice guy, Tony. And, Great lad. And, uh, if you're wondering what, what we're referring to, the guys used to come and see us regularly. Yes. Every week? Lots of guys. Lots of different guys from the UK. Uh, but COVID, of course, has, has put paid to that. Yeah. So. We enjoyed all of the company. Yeah, well. and it's nice to catch up with yes. Tony. Nice to catch. That's what it was nice to see Yorkie yesterday. He's in. He's in for the uh, semi-final and final of the Arab Cup uh, with FIFA, uh, doing 
a lot of coaching and tactical good, things. He's, good. His badges are coming on. I was asking him about, you know, what, because you know, he spoke to us many times about the, the lack of opportunities he's had to get involved in management. And he's very active, now living in Dubai, Yorkie, as we know. But he's very active, he says. He's, he's really out there. He said, less likely in England, he says. He said, he laid that out. He said, I don't think I'll get work in England. He said, so I'm looking in other parts of the world and I'm hopeful that within the next 12 months, 18 months, I have to say, I, I, I mean, I mentioned it. We, Yorkie's name comes up. We laugh because he, he you know, he, he enjoys life. Yes. But I'll tell you something, Andy. I, I haven't met too many people more determined or disciplined than Dwight York, yeah. when he sets his mind to a task, he 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 yeah. is going to complete it. Oh, he's, spe he's, uh, he's obsessive about gym work, and, yeah. and and he's he's not the party boy that plays. No, he's not. He's anything but these days. Well, he's in with Steve McLaren and and Arsene Arsene Wenger Good. here this this week, and they're doing lots of FIFA, doing seminars, and you're, they're watching the games, and then York is analysing them, and then standing in front of. I don't know how many, 50, 100 people, and talking about what he's seen analytically Great. as well Great. as tactically. So he's, he's, he's really coming on. Good. Uh, there we are. That's it for another week. Um, just considering maybe that we all step back for Christmas. It's, it's a we'll thought. That, yeah. Hope an interesting weekend. Yeah, very much so. Mm. Uh, Keys and Grey Pod is the best way to get to us on Insta <laughs> and Twitter. Keys and A-N-D Pod. And uh, at some point, we'll find Nigel. I, yeah, I, yeah, he'll I, be back I, I mean... <laughs> next year. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? He's out and about in Dubai today. We should, we should. Never mind where's Wally, where's Nigel. <laughs> Thanks for your company. <laughs>